give him a serpent. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Let's uh, bow down and worship the Lord together. What an incredible privilege we have. That as the people have gone, as two or three that are gathered with your presence guaranteed in our midst, we come into your presence in the very throne room of God. The Spirit of God inside of us groaning and uttering the things that we cannot express. Lord, here we are, your people. In a large city, in a dark time, in the midst of much confusion, and yet we have come aside. We are seeking your face. Lord, show us this morning your face. Help us to see light in the midst of this darkness. Help us see truth in the midst of all these lies. Help us to have hope in the midst of all this despair. Lift us up from the miry clay of human endeavor and manipulation into the solid rock your true will father this morning though we be few in number though your servant be weak and frail may you be glorified may your truth be proclaimed may hearts be stirred may we be lifted up father you know the needs around us we pray for our elderly brothers and sisters, some of whom are suffering illness even this morning. We pray for recovery and for wisdom and for grace, Lord, for each one of them. Father, one by one, we see them going on before us. Father, we feel often as Elisha. Lord, that we of those who are strong, who are faithful, who are true. Lord, may we receive that mantle and be faithful to it. Lord, you know others who are struggling with severe illness far beyond the ability of doctors to control. Father, we pray for Lily Book of Lord, that not only would you have mercy on her, physical health but Lord that in this time of need she would lift up her eyes and trust in and believe in the only one who can truly provide rest and peace and strength in this time and salvation for her soul pray for Liv Bielek as well who's once again um, facing great uh, odds against her Lord Yet you have shown yourself strong on her behalf. 
You have answered your people's prayers. We pray that you would do once again be glorified in her life and in her body as you provide healing and grace for her family, Brother George. Lord, you know that in each one of our lives we are facing struggles. Lord, not each one, not all of which we can share, but Lord, you know in our hearts the, the, the deep wrestling of the soul as Jacob wrestled. Lord, we don't want to let you go until you bless us, until you come through. Lord, we pray for those who are struggling, those who are facing severe challenges and seeking you, Lord. We pray for those who are drifting, who need awakening before they go too near the precipice. We pray for those who are resisting your call, that they would recognize the times that we live in, the urgency, the narrowing window of opportunity, and the fleeting nature of all that currently distracts them. Father, though they be present or absent, you are not limited from reaching their hearts and drawing them back to you. Father, we beg you, in Jesus' name, amen. You can imagine our Lord Jesus coming from heaven, knowing the truth, rising from obscurity, poverty, and backwater towns. Now the multitudes are gathered in this mountain to hear truth. What truth should he proclaim? What is their greatest need? What should the God of the universe communicate to those who finally are listening to his voice? This morning, we're gathered here. What is the greatest need of our church? What do we need to focus on as a body in this challenging time? One could think that perhaps in the face of rising biblical illiteracy, we need to focus on better, more engaging, expository preaching that people would know the truth of God. I think we've drifted, I remember a decade or two ago where, where, where people were familiar with the words of scripture and you know someone who had come uh, from outside our circle you know mentioned how how we were very much um, biblically literate because we weren't into entertainment but into the plain study of his word but now we are perhaps used to more engaging presentation and perhaps less into the meat. Is that what we need to focus on? Better expository preaching? Or what about an age of increasing greed and consumerism? Do we need to 
preach on, on integrity and generosity? Or in an age of sexual promiscuity, do we need to preach on purity without prudishness? Or an age where people don't seem to understand the gospel and are following all kinds of false ideas of what one must do to be saved and if they even need to be saved. Do we need to focus on, on, a, on bold and powerful evangelism? What does the church really need to focus on? What about in an age of, of where many are struggling to make ends meet? of rising costs of living? Do we need to focus on what it means to, to love one another in, in practical as well as in, 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 in deed as well as in word as the scripture says? In an age where marriage has lost its meaning, where young men are unwilling to take responsibility and commit to getting married and where, where the idea of marriage is now mixed up with no longer one man and one woman but or not not even relevant not even uh, necessary not even a goal for for some as as i've read recently that uh, the new word is i'm in a situationship i'm not even a relationship i'm not focused on even getting married to the right one by and by it's just happy with my current situation where I've got somebody to keep me from being lonely? Do we need to focus as a church on, on defining gender roles? Do we defining what God's goal is for marriage? Is, is that the deepest need in today's uh, moment of time for us to bring scriptural truth into the lives and into the conversation, into the minds of those who are bombarded by lies and propaganda and indoctrination from all sides, even our education system. As church after church dwindles and some close, do we need to focus as a church on church planting, on, 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 on what does it take to, to regain uh, momentum and territory? for God's kingdom in, in, a, in an age where Christianity is, is becoming a minority without power, without relevance, and losing the imagination and heart of so many. In Jesus' age, he had very relevant social issues to deal with. In Roman times, many of the same issues you wouldn't even expect of abortion and child abandonment and infanticide and everything else was going on there too. But he chose to focus on prayer. He focused on the right attitudes in Matthew chapter 5. He focused on the standard which we cannot attain without God's help. And then when we get to chapter 6 and we go from the don'ts to the do's, the first do we come to here is 
And after this manner, therefore, pray ye. As a church, where are we going to find the spiritual power to be relevant in this culture, to be connected with God, and yet have the unconditional love for our fellow man that will, and, and, and to have a deep grasp of the truth in the midst of these lies if it is not through a living, connected relationship with God. And how are we going to have that personal connection with God? Is it only within these walls as we come here and we hear the truth, as we might speak to one another a word of encouragement? No, but we are being bombarded. These lies are attacking us. Our challenges are facing us 24-7. But as a church, are we better at organizing than agonizing in prayer? Are we better at administrating than interceding? Are we better at fellowship than fasting? or entertainment than worship or theological articulation than spiritual adoration? And God forbid, are we better at preaching than praying? You see, many of these great challenges of Jesus' day and this day, we are not in unique times. about connection with God. It was in an age of theological articulation and spiritual deadness that Samuel Frulich brought a relevant message of, of repentance and a real relationship with God during the time of enlightenment and, and 55 churches in 11 years sprouted up as there was a real hunger because this was something different. It was not just words. There was a power. The power was not just in the eloquence of what was said, but in the change of lives lived. As was said by the early church fathers, we don't speak great things, we live them. Now, when we come to the question of prayer, there are two extremes that perhaps I will illustrate into two fallacies where we may not be motivated to pray or pray in the wrong way. <clears throat> On the one hand, some would take the truth of Scripture where the Scripture says that God is sovereign. He is sits above on his throne. That as it says in Ephesians chapter 1, he works all things according to the counsel of his own will. There, it says that you know our words should be few because he already knows our needs before we speak them. What is the point of praying? If he already knows, if his will is already made up, if he chooses to do as he will do and you 
Why would I bother him? Why would I choose to advise and counsel the almighty, sovereign, all-knowing God? Would he take advice from the a puny, uh, a sinful, ignorant creature as I? Is, is this not an insult to him for me to approach him? We take that thought to its conclusion. We end up with, with a, a Muslim conception of God where God is remote. Things are predetermined. He will do as he chooses. And therefore, we are, we are uh, become fatalistic, disconnected. We just say, inshallah, God's will be done, but we are not critical in that process. After all, he is God, and we're not. Is this, is this true to the tenor of scripture? Or is it a distortion, a deadening distortion? One that can excuse a certain passivity and laziness in our devotion to God. On the other hand, you might have those that, that, that really believe that prayer changes things. And, and that scripture in James 4, 2 says, Ye have not because ye ask not. And therefore, in the extreme, in the distortion, they might say, People only die and go to hell because someone isn't praying hard enough. That... Uh, Worship and confession are good, but it's it's wrestling with God and prayer where, where where we really make a difference in God's kingdom, where we're like Jacob, where we we say with him, you know, I will not let you go until you bless me. And in that that holding on to God and that wrestling with him that we actually change and Jacob is changed from the, the deceiver and usurper to a prince with God as God changes his very name and changes the heart of his brother who's bent on, on wiping him out and, and, and revenge into welcoming him. Uh, this distortion in thinking would say that, you know, petitions do not insult, but they honor God because God loves to give blessings in response to prayer. So much is true. But if we take it too, too far, we say that oh, if you agonize in prayer, if you fast much, plead the name of Jesus, and spend countless hours in prayer, you cannot but help to call down untold blessings from God. The problem with this approach is we've gone from the error of fatalism to treating, to treating prayer almost like magic. You say the right incantations in the right way, long enough, and your will be, will be done. How did Jesus resolve this tension about prayer? In the very first two words of the sermon, of, of the prayer 
the model prayer says after this manner therefore pray ye our father our father we do not come to God as one remote and disinterested nor to one who will respond to our manipulations who is a vending machine for our requests we come to God as a heavenly father a father might give his son or child what he re they request they may with withhold it for a while knowing this isn't the best time knowing the, the the child needs to demonstrate the character to be ready i may not give my child a pet dog until they're ready to show they're responsible and are in conditions i want to bless them but they're not ready for it or you know maybe they want they will say no to the child because this is not going to be for their best interest <clears throat> no matter how much they plead and whine and their conversation isn't all about gimme gimme there's a relationship there's time spent being in each other's presence and enjoying that relationship and so Jesus cuts through those both those errors this is not religious this is relationship and you and I can come he invites us to come to say our father it was unthinkable at the time when Jesus said those words but as he took on him my sin and your sin and hung on the cross between heaven and earth as he said it is finished as he bore the guilt the disgrace the very veil the temple is ripped from the top to the bottom as God opened the way for you and I to come into his presence not just for presence from him <clears throat> but to value his very presence and this is our privilege we are very privileged So as we see these challenges in the world, in the church, as we've outlined them, many fold and many more I have not mentioned, the solution is for you and I to know God personally. There is no gimmickry. There is no right words that you can uh, you you need to use Elizabethan English or this form or that. 
as was mentioned on Wednesday, sometimes we really appreciate those for whom English is not a first language as they pray in sincerity, and it's not about the words. The expression of the heart is sincere. We can get, you know, in some high church models where, you know, it's all written out ahead of time. Maybe well articulated, but, but, but not necessarily meant from the heart. And even if we don't write it out ahead of time, we can get formulaic, where we just say we got to hit these points one after the other. And it's not really from the heart, it's a checklist. But what's worse is when we don't pray. Some practical advice on prayer. One, we need to plan to pray. We need to make it a priority. We plan to go to work. We plan to have meals. We plan to do all kinds of things that are essential to our physical life. Prayer is essential to our spiritual life. And therefore, we need to reserve that time. Jesus himself, the very Son of God, an intimate relationship from eternity past, found it necessary to get up a great while before dawn and go into a secluded place in the, in the wilderness to spend time alone with God. Now, that may look different. There are those who have shift work, those who are young mothers who are up many times during the night. There are differences, but yet if something's important and we plan for it, we make room for it. We need to plan to pray. I want to challenge you this morning. What's your plan? When do you want to set aside time in your closet to get to know God, to open your heart to Him, to hear His voice, to have yourself aligned with truth and love? It's not, it's not a formality. It's not empty formulas. This is the greatest power, the power that formed the universe, the power that sustains the universe, the power that will destroy this universe in an instance is accessible. You have access in God's heart as we sing together in hymn number 180, the second verse that always touches me. Oh, Father heart, by my poor prayer affected, God is touched and moved by your prayer. Do we have time? Do we make time? Do we plan to spend time in His presence? It's good to thank God before we eat. Scriptural that, that we do so. It's good that we spend time, but that's not the closet time. It's not the wrestling time. It's not the time that God is going to change you 
from the inside out. We need a plan to pray. Sometimes when we pray, often when we pray, we have to combat the fact that our minds drift. You start praying and you start, you're, you're thinking, you're, you're, you're interceding, and then you remember something you have to do or some deadline that's coming up soon or, or something you forgot. I know someone said that they always kept a pet, pad and pen next to their bed and so they said, thank you, Satan, for reminding me that. I wrote that down and I keep going with that prayer. But there are things that Satan uses to distract you. So some practical things I've heard from others <clears throat> and tried to apply myself. Some people fight that loss of train of thought when they're praying by praying out loud. And uh, maybe you can find a private enough spot where you can do that. Not that you want to do what Matthew 6 says here and, and uh, pray on the street corner to be seen. That clearly has no reward. But if you need to keep your thoughts clear as you talk to God, feel free to talk to Him even out loud if that helps you stay focused. Some people go for a walk. They, 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 they move and as they able do that, they're able to focus more. I know that even when I'm trying to get into intense conversation work, I better when I'm pacing than I am sitting still. And even with God, it helps me to, to walk and, and talk to Him and stay focused. Some people use a scripture as a model to know what to pray for. There are many great prayers in scripture. There's Jesus' prayer we just read, but there are many more that you can read of prayers of repentance, prayers of intercession from Paul, from David, from, uh, from Ezra, from Daniel, from um, many New Testament saints as well that we can pray, or even the hymns. Uh, as we can read them, there are often many that are prayers and can help us stay focused if we can pray them or even analogous to them that they can inform our prayers. Sometimes it helps to write down what you're praying. Write down. Some people journal completely. Some people just like to keep a list of, so they stay focused and they don't forget what's important. Um, I remember doing that uh, um, when, when uh, a few of us were uh, met, uh, uh, was uh, um, Omar Gava, and he challenged us in many ways. You know what it, what spiritual growth looks like. Because I, I was really impressed how God worked in Argentina. At many of the, the very same spiritual roots that we have. People fleeing from Europe. And um, some were, except in South America, born North America, and yet they had a kind of vitality there that I was really impressed with, as well as a, a doctrinal soundness. And as we talked in, that prayer was a critical thing. And uh, I remember, you know, getting together with the faithful few brothers and sisters that we agreed to pray together. 
and that's another thing we can do. It's important that you have time in the closet with God alone. But as we intercede together, there's a power in that. We, we tried to do that here in our church. We've taken advantage of, of the um, <clears throat> online format on Thursdays so that we can get together without traffic being an obstacle. That's one opportunity. Or you may, even just one or two people, as you pray together, the Bible talks about iron sharpening iron, about how this can really um, help us to grow. Not only does it have power, the two or three, but even as, as we are held accountable, as we grow, as we become transparent, as we become open, as we share our burdens, this is the body. This is what God's desire is for us. God didn't design us to be individuals. Not that we find our, our hope and our strength in each other, but God designed that we can help each other to draw close to God. Prayer seems like a very private thing, and maybe culturally, we've always considered that to be something that our relationship with God is almost private and sacred, and, and we don't often share about it. Or, you know, our prayer is something very private and sacred, and we don't do that. But I want to challenge that culture, because I'm not sure it's biblical. We read how the early church got together and prayed, and God answered those prayers in miraculous ways. We read how those who are devout gathered by the river to seek God and to pray. We read about Jesus, how he prayed, and he didn't want to pray alone even in that garden, though he was left alone. So Jesus, on a sermon on the mount, begins with this challenge of here is what the kingdom values are, what its standards are. It's not in formal religion, but it's in a living relationship with the Father. Therefore, ask. Seek. Knock. You don't have because you don't ask. You don't find because you don't seek. It's said of the, the Parthians had a saying that they never gave their children meat until they saw sweat on their brows. Maybe our Heavenly Father is like that with us as children. He wants us to want something so we can value it, so we can treasure it, and we can nurture it. We need to seek God. We need to knock. We need to not be willing to just say it once and let it go. We need to wrestle. And with that, we can address so many of the very, very real issues in our own lives and in the lives of our body and our society. And God bless us with
Let's sing hymn number 180, the first two verses. Heavenly Father, we're thankful, Lord, that you have shown us the way, the, the right way to, to thee through thy word. We have heard this morning, and we're reminded again, which we hear over and over again, but perhaps 
we do not retain your word or we do not we do not take it as seriously as we should Heavenly Father we see the destruction of Satan throughout the world through churches through through lack of understanding through having no desire to serve through knowledge of science and diff different things that Satan will pull away man Father in heaven help us to return Lord to that fullness that you have required you have desired of us help us Lord to realize why Jesus came and and to envision perhaps clearer why he came and what he did for us your scripture says that he gave his life for us that we may live Father in heaven help us to take this seriously and help us Lord to seek to pray as we have heard this morning to seek closer to God how much do we spend in this physical life and for our bodies and for our, the pleasures we have and yet how short how how we shortchange thee Lord in our spiritual walk Father this is this is something that everyone should consider seriously life is short we see so many pass on and go before us and and then we think we cannot even comprehend Lord the seriousness of this help us Lord to be able to understand this clearer help us Lord to desire to serve you better help us Lord to be a brighter light where we are no matter where we are that your word says that we should be a light to this world help us Lord to exalt thee and 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 put ourselves down lower that we may exalt thy name and not our own father we're reminded of the many that are sick the many that are in have infirmities and cancers and and gone through difficult times that we do not see you see all things from your heaven from your throne father we pray you would help them lord that you would uh, give them what they need not what they want but that you would bless them and 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 help them lord in their difficulties father we pray for those that do not know thee that are outside that you would draw them lord help them lord and bless them for without your blessings lord there is nothing father we pray for for those that are uh, at ontario sing and wherever they be today that you would bless that that presence that perhaps those coming to here may be drawn in by the beauty of your of singing and the words that, are, that will come with them father we pray out of our asking what we can ask of you lord we pray forgive us lord where we have grieved you lord in the past week and the past and help us lord that we may obtain that we may do those things that please thee and not ourselves for, for all your goodness for your word this morning for your blessings lord we thank you we pray this in the name of jesus Seventy-four verses one, six, and twelve. Amen. 
beautiful words we've just sung. The single fervent prayer of one soul believing finds with God and hearing ear its goal is achieving. How much more will he hear when they all together pray unto the Father? If you are finding yourselves struggling, struggling with things beyond your control, things that make you anxious, things that drag you down, you're burdened. Come unto the Lord, there's rest for your soul. Pray. Unburden your heart. Leave your burdens with the Lord. And allow him to enter into living relationship with you. It is, as we see here, prayers from inmost depths of heart, fervency, it's a sincerity. That's what it requires on our behalf. But to that the incredible, omnipotent, almighty God of the universe will bend not only his ear but his heart to hear and to be involved in your life as your father. What a privilege. How often do we live beneath that privilege? With that, we conclude this morning's service.